Hey, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. I just want to say thank you for joining us here online. It is our prayer today that today's message would be helpful and meaningful to your life. If you're in the South Atlanta area, I would personally like to invite you to come to one of our three services on Sunday at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and 12 p.m. We're located at 4401 Highway 155 North in Stockbridge, Georgia. You may visit our website for more information at sccview.net. Again, that's sccview.net. Thanks again for listening. I hope that you have a wonderful day. Uh, so, uh, like Tanya said, my name is Chris Woodson. I'm our Connections Pastor here at SCC. And uh, I'm really excited to come and uh, kind of wrap up our Words of Hope series. Have you guys been enjoying this series so far? Uh, it's, it's been awesome. Just, you know, really, really digging deep into the things that Jesus said to us uh, for, from the cross. And uh, so today we're actually talking about His final word, and that would be the word trust. That's our title for today. And so we're going to focus a lot on trust and why that's such a... a, a a vital part of our walk as uh, Christ followers. Now, when you think about last words, you, you might think about like some famous last words, right? Like in the South, um, a lot of people, a lot of, nothing good ever happens uh, after somebody says, hey, y'all, watch this. You know what I'm talking about? And, and a lot of y'all, you probably just thought about like a crazy uncle or something that's had some accidents. But, you know, in the case of actual last words, I want to share a couple last words uh, from some names that you're probably going to recognize. Uh, the first was uh, Isaac, Sir Isaac Newton. So he's kind of one of the fathers of modern science, and, and you've read probably a lot about uh, Newton's laws and that sort of thing. So I want to share with you this. Uh, uh, these are Isaac Newton's last words. I don't know what I may seem to the world, but as to myself, I seem to have been only like a boy playing on the seashore and diverting myself now and then in finding a smoother pebble or a prettier shell than the ordinary while the great ocean of truth lay all undiscovered before me. Now that kind of sounds sad, especially when you think of, of, of how much to modern science he, he contributed. You know, he discovered a lot of things. Uh, he, he really did, but, but on his, in his death, he felt like he had left a lot unaccomplished. He felt like he had never really reached his potential, and there were so much more things that he wanted to achieve in his life. Moving on to the great Renaissance artist, Leonardo da Vinci, he said this, um, I have offended God and mankind because my work did not reach the quality it should have. The guy that painted the Mona Lisa feels like his work was never really good enough. Felt like he had so much, and he felt like it was, it, it was so bad that he never reached his full potential that, that, that humanity and God as well would find it offensive. So, so he felt like he, he left so much unaccomplished. Now, if you think about it, um, you know, kind of taking this back to Jesus. Now, we know from last Sunday, if you were here, um, and maybe this will catch you up if you weren't, uh, we, we know that one, uh, the second to last thing Jesus said was to telestai, which means it is finished. Okay, one person was listening last Sunday. Um, it means it is finished. Now, you would think, okay, well, you think back to all the, the, the Christmas plays or, or musicals or cantatas, whatever in the world a cantata is. Um, it's a weird word. So uh, you think about most of those, and you know, usually you, know, you, got, you got the only guy in the church with a beard, right? And that's obviously who's going to play Jesus. That's the way it was when I was growing up. If you had a beard, you knew you were going to be Jesus. So um, you, basically, those plays would always kind of end on the uh, it is finished note. But what we see is that Jesus actually, if you follow along the gospel narrative, he had one more thing to say. And I believe that he did so for our benefit much more than, than his own, which, I mean, that's 
life story of Jesus, everything he did was for our benefit, not his own. But if you think about it, if, if you really, really think about it, these last words that Jesus shared, the words of trust, I believe that, that he said them and the way he said them, and if we can really wrap our minds around this today, we'll, what trust actually means and how that applies to our faith is going to really kind of set some people free today, I believe. So why, were those, why do I, why I believe those words are meant solely for us? Why are they so important to us? Let's read them in Luke 23, verses 44 through 46. Um, by this time it was noon, but darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. The light from the sun was gone, and suddenly the thick veil hanging in the temple was torn apart. Then Jesus shouted. Did Jesus whisper? Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last breath. Jesus shouted it right before he died. Right before he died. And I believe that Jesus gave us uh, Jesus gave us a model of how to die well. Now keep in mind, death is never pretty. Okay, Hollywood and, and books, they tend to kind of glamorize it and make death look like this glory, glorious thing, but I would, be, I would venture to say that most of us in here have lost someone we love in our life. Uh, maybe it was a long time ago or maybe it was really recent, but the fact, the fact remains, death is not pretty. It's not fun for anybody involved, but Jesus gave us a model of how to do it well, despite the fact that it's an ugly thing. Jesus gave us this outline. Uh, he was at peace that it was his time. He had made peace with that. He wasn't afraid. He didn't have any unreconciled relationships. He didn't leave having unfinished business, so to speak. He wasn't angry and he wasn't bitter. He knew where he was going, and most of all, he trusted God with his future. Now, that's a good model, right? I, I would love to go that way. And I, I would venture to say that most of you would too. That's a good way to go. I want to talk a little bit before we get into the, kind of the meat of today's message. I want to talk a little bit about how Jesus gave up his life. And I want to give you three ways. The first way, Jesus gave up his life voluntarily. Gave up his life voluntarily. John 10, 18 says, No one can take, and these are Jesus' words, No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. So nobody took the life of Christ. Jesus gave it. He gave it as a willing sacrifice. The next way, he did so confidently. Confidently. And uh, you'll notice that instead of having a Bible reference there, it says the word shouted. Well, I, I want to share with you two reasons why Jesus shouting in confidence is so important and so, why I think it's just so powerful. You see, I've read a book called Crushed. And it's a book about, uh, it, it, it is a, a physician's uh, thought on, on what actually happens during the crucifixion of Christ. It talks about what happens in his body. Blood goes in places that it doesn't belong. Water goes in places that it doesn't belong. Your heart actually starts to pump all the blood out and fill up with water. Jesus would have been in immense pain and hardly able to, to mumble anything at all. So like I said, death is not pretty. It's ugly. Despite all of that, and the fact that his lungs would have barely been able to get enough breath from raising his head upright, they would have barely been able to get enough breath to make a sound, Jesus was filled with enough confidence in his Father that he shouted. He shouted. Still, one last, in the face of sin, death, and the grave, defiant shout. He shouted. That's very important for us to know. And the second reason that's so important is, have you ever noticed that sometimes 
what you say, sometimes what you say is not really as important as how you say it. Have you ever noticed that? I gave this example last service, and uh, they seem to enjoy it, so I'm going to share it again. With, with my son, he's a very picky eater, okay? His name's Christian, and he's five, will be six this year. Uh, awesome kid, but he's a very picky eater. Well, here's the thing. I've learned that if I want him to eat something that I know he doesn't like, um, we can put cheese on it. <laughs> Works really well. We can put cheese on it. No kid wants to eat broccoli, but every kid... I say most kids would love broccoli and cheese. See, the way you say something can be so much more important than the actual context than what you're actually saying. Have you ever noticed how car commercials, they're really loud? I, I read somewhere that the louder a car commercial on TV is, the dumber they think you are. Yeah. Monday, Monday, you, know, you see those commercials. So you, you think about that. Now, next time, you'll, next time you're watching that, you're gonna think, they think I'm dumb. Sometimes what you say is more important, or, or how you say something is more important than what it is. Jesus gave up his life also trusting God. Trusting God. And there's a reference there to Psalm 31.5, which is an ancestor of Jesus. That was King David. And he said, into your hands I entrust my spirit. Now that sounds familiar because we just read it. Uh, and if it sound, sounds familiar because we just read it, you, you need to understand that this was actually a Hebrew prayer. Because of David's psalm, this would become a Hebrew prayer, and therefore children, including Jesus, would have learned this. Uh, they would have learned this at a very young age. You know, see, David prayed it out of necessity, but Jesus prayed it in victory. Isn't that a beautiful picture of pre-cross religion and tradition and post-cross faith and salvation? Jesus prayed it triumphantly. David prayed it in fear. But how fitting is it that the very prayer that probably would have been one of the first things Jesus learned as a child was a prayer to his father is the exact same thing he said in his final moments. That's beautiful. If you think about something, we teach, uh, we're going to take a couple little trips down memory lane to our childhoods today. So you think back to when you were a child. Most of us in here would have learned a certain bedtime prayer. It's very generic and very simple, but in the right context, it means a lot. So if I were to say to you, now I lay me... Exactly. Now, think about it. So most of us learn that as children. Now you think back, and my kid says it too. Okay? But, but if you think about it, the last sentence of that, of that prayer, if I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord echoing the words of Christ. I entrust my spirit into your hands. Now, most people say, well, that's, a, that's kind of a, a scary prayer to teach little children, you know? What if I die before I wake, you know? But if you think about it, it's beautiful. There's no more beautiful sentiment than to, than to go to sleep knowing that no matter what happens between now and the time I wake up, I'm in God's hands, I'm good. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Now, now on to uh, kind, of, kind of the big thing that I want to talk to you guys about this morning. I want to share with you four truths to remember in your darkest hour. Four truths to remember in your darkest hour. Now, Stephen, the first martyr of the, the Christian church, he died. He, he connected the dots. He really did understand that, okay, Jesus and the Father are one. So instead of saying, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands, 
He said, Jesus, I entrust my spirit into your hands. Those were his last words. Uh, the early church fathers, Polycarp and Augustine, both of them, one burned at the stake and the other died extremely ill. Many believed he was poisoned um, for their faith. Both of them echoed Jesus' words in their last breath. John Huss, uh, many of you, anybody a big John Huss fan? Yeah, me neither. Nobody's ever heard of poor John Huss, but I would venture to say that you've heard of Martin Luther. Well, John Huss was kind of Martin Luther before it was cool to be. So about 100 years before uh, uh, Martin Luther's church reformation in Germany, uh, John Huss was, was a scholar and theologian in Czechoslovakia. He was trying to reform the church, and as he was burned for being a heretic, for trying to design a church to be exactly what we have today, instead of uh, legalistic views and traditions, and you can and can't do this, and he made it more about a relationship with Jesus. John Huss was burned at the stake, just like Polycarp, his last words, Father, into your hands, I entrust my spirit. Christopher Columbus, credited with many, many credit, and it's debatable, did he or didn't he? Many people credit him with discovering the new world, which is where we live. But what most history books don't tell you is that Columbus was a pretty devout man, and on his deathbed, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And then he died. A lot of people have said it, and each and every one of them, in their darkest hours, they remember these truths. And number one, the first thing I want you to write down is this. I have a Father in heaven who loves me. I have a Father in heaven who loves me. I want to kind of, we're going to, I'm going to help you guys with your memory verse this week, because I know we use memory verses, and then, you know, uh, everybody says, oh, they're so hard, I can't memorize them. And I'm one of the worst, so don't feel bad if you can't memorize. Uh, but here's the thing. We're going to help each other memorize a verse today. So, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands, Luke 23, 46. That's going to be our memory verse. We're going to refer back to it an awful lot today. But I, before we do, I want you to circle the word Father. Circle the word Father. The Father in heaven who loves me. Now, the word Father means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Uh, to some, it, it, it means abandoned. To some, it means no relationship, forsaken, somebody that doesn't spend time with me. For some of us, we have a great idea, and I'm one of them. I have a great idea of what it's like to be young and have a father that loves you. But not all of us do, and sometimes that can be very, very difficult in seeing God as our father because we didn't see our father as our father. But I want to tell you, in those times when things are really rough, you can repeat number one. No matter what you're facing, you have a father in heaven who loves you. You have a Father in heaven who loves you. Psalm 103, verse 13, uh, we see kind of how a, fa a good father would behave toward his children. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who honor him. No matter what you're facing again, you have a Father in heaven who loves you. Number two, number two, my Father can be trusted. My Father can be trusted. You can kind of think back to the people in your life that you put your trust in. Some were good investments. Some not so much. Some people that you've trusted might have really, you know, done a number on you. But you think back, trust is so important. And I can't, I can't go further to, to encourage you this morning that, that regardless of who on earth you could put your trust in, you can really only put your ultimate trust. And by ultimate trust, I mean somebody, uh, somebody who knows where you're at a thousand years from now. Two thousand, three thousand, eternity. And that's somebody, that, that would be our Father in heaven that we can trust because he knows everything. He's always got our best interests at heart, even if it doesn't seem it. 
And he'll always tell us the truth, even when it hurts. That's somebody that I want to put my trust in, don't you? Back to our memory verse. Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. Would you circle the word entrust there? Circle the word entrust. Now, the translated word for entrust uh, is an ancient word, and I'm not going to give you all an excuse to make fun of me because I'm not going to try to pronounce it. But I do want to tell you uh, what it means, okay? And it meant to deposit. I de- to deposit. You go back and read that verse a little differently now. Father, I deposit my spirit into your hands. Now you think about this. We all like deposits, right? And some of y'all wishing you could get a deposit today, aren't you? Yeah. So we all like deposits. Deposits are a good thing. But here's the thing. The word entrust, when it means to deposit, now this could be a little bit generational. So I'm sorry if, if some, some younger folks don't, don't quite get this. But there's a thing called a safety deposit box. You pay a little extra at the bank, and they give you this, this, nice, little, uh, uh, this nice little box that you can put anything in, lock it, seal it away, and completely trust that it'll be there the next time you come back to the bank. That's a good feeling. Uh, let me see, in, in kind of more modern terms, password protected. Aren't you happy today that your bank account is password protected? No? Okay, so here's what I want to encourage you. Go to a Starbucks, leave your laptop open to your bank account, and then you will leave it there for about an hour and then come back and get it. You will understand why password protection is a good thing. Matter of fact, we even have apps that we can put our passwords in, all of our passwords, and then we put a password on that app that holds all our passwords. So our password-protected app is then password-protected by the phone that we then need a password to get into to begin. Do you see why password protection and entrusting something is so important? That's how powerful it is. I want to tell you, uh, trust. And this password protect in, in trust, you think about it, prayer is a huge form of trust. Because otherwise, who are you talking to? If you pray but don't really believe God will do anything, do you really trust Him? It's like if we pray, you know, God help my finances, and then we go buy a motorcycle. You know, <laughs> Sorry, that might be a sore subject for somebody. <laughs> um, if you came in here today with your bad decision, no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Don't, don't point. Um, trust is one of the biggest things, and prayer is one of the biggest ways that we can physically display our trust. And we're going to do that Thursday. Tanya mentioned it, so I'm not going to get into a lot of it. But I can tell you this. We're not going to be creepy and have campfires with kumbaya circles at our night of prayer. Okay, what we are going to have is a night of worship. You guys enjoy the worship, right? Okay, don't they do a good job? They're awesome. We're going to have a night of worship and prayer. And here's the things we're going to pray about. And if you don't think any of these are important... Um, You can just throw your hand up at any time. If I say something that we're going to pray about and you don't think it's important, just throw a hand up. So we're going to pray about families. Okay, we're all in agreement. Uh, We're going to pray about our military, our law enforcement, our firefighters. Those are important. Those are important things that we take for granted a lot of times. Uh, We're going to pray for our nation. Lord knows. We're going to pray for the people that run the nation. I think they need it, maybe more now than ever. And, um, you know, we're, we're going to pray for our schools and our educators. I think that's vital to, to, to our success in this community. So we're going to pray over those things, and we're going to worship, and we're going to worship like crazy. We're going to have a good time, and I want to encourage you to join. As a matter of fact, uh, you can even sign up for it. 
You don't have to, but it's cool if you do. So um, you get three more points on your end of the year report if you sign up for it. If you're here for the first time, we do not have an end of the year report. Not that y'all see. No. Um, okay. So I want to move on to this verse. Psalm 33, verse 4 says, For the word of the Lord holds true, and everything he does, what is, what, what's that word? Everything. Everything. Say it with me again. Everything he does is worthy of our trust. Basically, wrapped up in a nutshell, whatever I give to God, I can trust him to protect. Now, maybe you're here today and you're thinking, you know, there are some things that are just too hard to trust God with. I got so many questions. Maybe you're thinking, you know, well, Chris, what happens to, you know, you say we got to give our trust to God. What happens like with, with babies or, or people with, with, mental, uh, with mental illness or something and they cannot fully give their trust to God? To that, I would say, uh, Psalm 116.6 says, The Lord protects the simple-hearted. And keep in mind, using the word simple, there's not a slight, because often what we view as simple is extremely complex. So think about that. Maybe you're thinking, you know, what about true believers who slip, stumble, you know, and then maybe they get in a car wreck, and, and then, you know, but, but they haven't repented for every little sin. I would share this with you. I would say that true believers who get confused and kind of walk away from the faith, and this could be a little controversial, sorry, but I would say that they lose a reward, not salvation. And Scripture, scripture tells us, 2 John 1, 7-8 says, Many deceivers have gone out into the world. Watch out that you do not lose what you have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. Then there's a pretty heavy question. It's a really heavy question. What about true believers who may suffer from some kind of mental illness and they commit suicide? Maybe it's an undiagnosed mental illness. We don't know. But what about those people? I would say that if they're true believers, uh, this is a quick answer here for you, but 2 Timothy 2.13, would you just read this with me? If we are faithless, he will remain faithful. Aren't you glad that when you're weak, he's strong? Aren't you glad that when you have no faith, he has all of it? And he'll never stop showing you that faith. Now, maybe you've been struggling to trust your fathers. I want to tell you a little bit of a story about a mom. Uh, she was a mother of sailors, had, had multiple sons, and some of them, they, they were sailors, some of them were fishermen, some of them were soldiers on naval boats. But here's the thing, this man kind of gets in an argument with her about her faith one day. And he says, you know, how can you still be so sure? And how, where, where's your source of hope, really, you thought they were safe, you sent them off, and not all of your sons came home. And she said, well, sir, um, I trust that they are no less safe where they are right now. Because after all, what is the bottom of the sea? The bottom of the sea is the hollow of his hand. That's the kind of faith I want to have. I want to be able to put something in God's hands and, and never touch it again. Because I trust him that much. So I want to give you a next step. Back to your connection card on the back. And I don't want to make this a big ceremonial thing, so, so what I will ask you, if maybe there's something that you've been struggling to trust God with, maybe, maybe you know, it, it could be anything, it could be your job, it could be your education, whatever it is, but you feel like, you know what, I haven't really been living up to my end, I want to give you the opportunity on the back, there's the next step, that just simply says, I'm recommitting my life to Jesus Christ today. So I'm not going to give you like a big, huge prayer for it or anything, I want it to be a personal decision that you make. Number three, my father is taking care of things I cannot see. My father is taking care of things I cannot see. 
Back to our memory verse. Father, I entrust my spirit, would you circle my spirit, uh, into your hands. I want to tell you this morning that you are far more than what you see in the mirror. You're more than a body. You're way more than a body. See, because ultimately, our bodies will die. I believe the expression is, if the Lord tarries, our bodies will die. Your soul, your spirit, it's going to live eternally. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, if you read the scriptures, we learn that we even get an upgraded body. So, you know, some of us are looking forward to that, right? You get an upgraded body. But your soul and your spirit will live forever, long after the body's gone. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 through 18 says this, Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. You see, the bodies that we have on this earth, that we can see, something tangible, it's kind of like a rental. You know, it's kind of like a condo at the beach. We only have it for a short time. But the stuff inside, what matters the most, we have that for eternity. It's kind of a quick recap. My Father in heaven loves me, can be trusted, and is taking care of things I cannot see. And number four, my Father can handle anything I put into his hands. Anything I put into his hands. It's kind of like those Allstate commercials. You're in good hands. You know what I'm talking about? You know, they got the, got the real nice dressed guy, and you just smashed your car in half, and he's like, don't worry, you're in good hands. I don't know if you're in good hands with Allstate, but I know that you're in good hands with God, amen? As a matter of fact, you can even put Allstate, you can put your, your problems with Allstate in God's hands. See how that works out? Back to our verse, last time. Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. Would you circle into your hands? You know, I said we were going to kind of take some trips down memory lane today, right? So some of you may already have an idea of where I'm about to go with this. We're talking about God's hands. Um, there's a children's song that you learn. You can even check this picture out. Um, there's, there's a children's song that you learn. So, and I, just, just for fun, we'll, we'll sing a couple bars, okay? So he's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole... Okay, okay, this ain't choir practice. Stop it, stop it. All right. Some of y'all should try off choir. Some of y'all sounded pretty good. Now, some of y'all, woof. Mm, sounded a lot better from up here. Um, there's some things that you need to know about God's hands, okay? There's some things because despite the fact that we can trust God, the same God that can hold the earth in the palm of his hand can hold you, right? It can hold your problems. It, 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 can, it can hold your debt. It can, it can hold your momentary uh, lapses in judgment. The same hands that hold the earth hold you. And if you can really wrap your mind around that, that's one of the most powerful things I can share with you this morning. But I do want to share with you a few things, quick things about God's hands. God's hands are big enough to bless me. Big enough to bless me. Psalm 139, verse 5. You both proceed and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Now, if you notice, if you go back and read the, the biblical narrative and you read in the Gospels, Jesus would often, uh, he would often put his hands on someone when, when he healed them. Jesus was trying to convey that there is power in the hands of God. In that hand of blessing. 
And Jesus, he didn't always heal people that way. But if you go back and you read every incident, more often than not, Jesus touched people to heal them. And I would say that healing someone who needs healing is a bigger blessing than giving them a lot of money, wouldn't you? Because ultimately, when we read the Bible, we think about blessing as, as if you know, it's in our back pocket. But the truth is, there are so many more important blessings in life than that. So many more important blessings in life than that. So I'm going to give you one more next step. If you'll look at the back of your card, this is something that I think each and every one of us, including myself, we can all take today. And it says, I will begin fully trusting in the loving hands of God today. Now, does that mean that everything's going to be perfect? No. But it means that you believe that God can make it that way. So maybe, maybe there's one little thing that you're kind of holding back. and You say you trust God, but then you know, you, you, you keep your own hands in the pot. If you really trust God in an area of your life, it's really trusting God. It's using the gifts and, and the knowledge and the wisdom that he's given you to make decisions instead of trying to do it on your own apart from recognizing his hand and in, in, involvement. Finally, God's hands are strong enough to keep me eternally secure. Strong enough to keep me eternally secure. Now, one more childhood thing. Most of us remember when we first learned how to jump into a pool. You know, you would, you would put your toes right up there. You had your muscle man or muscle woman, you know, uh, whatever those, the water wings, floaties, whatever. We call them floaties. You get there, you know, your dad. Maybe your mom, but it works better with my illustration if we use the father. So the father is in the water. He's got his hands up, and, and you trust him. But you still do the whole, you know, I'm, just, I'm not quite ready, not quite ready. Maybe you had an older sibling that pushed a little bit from the behind. Uh, you know, maybe your mom or somebody else thought it would be funny to help you. you just, but you try it, and then finally you jump. And you have the time of your life. You're caught in the secure hands of your father. And then what do you do? The rest of the day, you wear your dad's arms out. You will not stop doing it. And I know, you know, I'm... I've been there. i got a five-year-old. You will wear your dad's hands out because you know that they're secure. And here's the thing. When we fully trust our father in, in one area, we want to keep doing it again and again. Amen. <laughs> we want to keep doing it again and again. When we truly trust him, we want to continue to display that trust. Because every time we do it, we learn something uh, deeper. Our relationship grows stronger. Our trust in Him grows greater. John 10, 28-29, Jesus speaking, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of the Father's hand. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. Basically, if you are in Christ, no one can snatch you from the Father's hand. And that's powerful today. And I hope that really ministers to somebody. Because we all face temptations. We all face struggle. But no one, no one can take you from the Father's hands. Last, last thing, God's hands are scarred so that He cannot forget me. Scarred so that He cannot forget me. The prophet Isaiah wrote in the Old Testament, uh, 49, 15 through 16, 
Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. I will not forget you. Goes on to say, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Those are prophetic words because ultimately Jesus would engrave us on the palms of his hands when he ends up on the cross. Never leave you, never forsake you. Even if he wanted to, he could never forget you. That's beautiful. Jesus has a constant post-it note to remind him continually. He'll never forget you. So we learned a lot today about what trust means. But I've got to tell you, we have a very good Father in heaven. He loves us. We can trust Him. He'll keep us safe and secure. He wants to bless us. We've learned so much about what trusting our Father looks like today. But you know what? I would be remiss not, not to come to this one thing, though. Is Maybe you're here, and you've never truly, fully given your trust with your eternal security to, to God. Maybe you've never really made that decision, made that jump, or stepped off that ledge and jumped into the pool, which in this case would be stepping off that ledge and jumping into eternity. It's beautiful. So this is the last next step. There's a prayer in your outline. And you can pray that or you can pray along with me. I'm not going to close today's message with, with the normal prayer. I want to close by giving an invitation to anyone to ask Christ into their heart, to accept that sacrifice, and to join in, in, in me and Jesus and, and many, many others in this community that has a good Father in heaven. Because He's worthy of it. So would you bow your heads? Let's pray. Father, thank You so much that You gave Your Son for me. I know that I have not lived a perfect life. I know that I've made mistakes. But I know that You are perfect. You're so good to us. I ask for you to come into my heart today and forgive my sins and cleanse me, Lord. I pray that you'll guide me and help me to do your will. And I believe above all that you died with those final words of trust intended for us to hear and rose again and are now ruling and reigning over all in heaven. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand and let's worship? Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net. And click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.